Welcome to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to Innovation in Government. I'm Jason Miller. My guest today is Dennis Riley, the Vice President of Federal at Gigamon. Dennis, welcome to the discussion. Thank you, Jason. Before we get started, let me set some context for our conversation today. When it comes to cybersecurity, I think there's two ways to measure agency progress. The first is straight numbers. If you look at reports from agency inspectors general or the Government Accountability Office, agencies still have a steep hill to climb. For example, in the December 2018 report, GAO found only six of 24 agencies met all nine of the cross-agency priority goals for cybersecurity. Auditors also found most of the selected 23 agencies that they looked at have not fully implemented the tools or services available through the first two phases of the Homeland Security Department's Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation, or CDM, program. But then there's the second way to measure agency progress, and that's around impact. Over the last two, maybe three years, how many federal cyber incidents have we heard about, have made big news? You know, Dennis, I'll be honest, I have a hard time thinking of many of the cyber incidents these days that, that make the big news. Now, whether we're becoming numb for about it because there's just so many, or maybe we just don't remember them, <laughs> or whether agencies just aren't being as public as they used to be about it, that's hard to say. But I think there is definitely a feeling across the federal sector based on how agencies survived WannaCry, not Petra threats, and the visibility from tools under CDM. Agencies are in a better place today to protect their data and their networks against cyber attacks than ever before. But we know cybersecurity requires agencies to be in constant state of vigilance and improvement. So how did they get there? And what role does CDM play in taking over for agencies over the next few years? Well, again, that's where my guest comes in, Dennis Riley, the Vice President of Federal at Gigamon. Dennis, let's talk about CDM, Continuous Diagnostics and Mitigation, major administration priority. They're making some progress. I sound like a GA report, progress made, more progress needed. What's the current state of CDM from your perspective? Well, I do think uh, progress is being made. But as you say, the adversary uh, never sleeps. So how do you keep up and, and get ahead? That's the challenge. I think what we're hearing from agencies is they still need more funding and they need more technology. People are, are important as well. Uh, there's some initiatives from the Trump administration on that. But that's going to take a while to have an effect. I do think that the, the agencies are looking to technology to be a force multiplier that they can deploy quickly. We've seen a good example of that recently. Uh, Office of Personnel Management, uh, through CDM gap fill in the current phase, um, made some major acquisitions for next generation network packet brokers and other cybersecurity tools to plug some known holes that they couldn't address during phase one because there simply wasn't enough uh, budget support. So progress is being made, but the enemy doesn't sleep, so there's still a lot to do. I think that's a great example you bring up about OPM and gap fills because I know one of the important things about CDM was, especially the, the defend piece, which is the latest set of uh, RFPs that, that have been out, is to, to do those gap fills. Is that where agencies are at today? You think most are, are kind of looking at what went well in phase one and phase two, but what, what are needs, immediate needs today? Some still have uh, gap fill uh, requirements, but I think uh, the program office and the agencies are looking forward to things like uh, securing the cloud and more uh, visibility and endpoints with network uh, access con- control. Next-generation packet brokers play a role in both those uh, areas. You need to be able to secure and see all your network traffic on the physical network, your virtual environment, and now with more and more agencies shifting workloads to the cloud, you have to be able to extend that visibility into the cloud because you you need to be able to see if there's a breach, if there's lateral movement, could be command and control, staging for exfiltration, or if data is being uh, exfiltrated as well. And the other area that we're seeing a lot of emphasis is 
we have to be able to handle encrypted traffic because 70 to 80% of the traffic now is encrypted. If you can't see into that encrypted traffic through something called break and inspect, you're blind to too much of the threat. When you talk about encrypted traffic, uh, are you talking more than just HTTPS traffic or are people actually adding uh, whatever SHA-256 or whatever it is now these days uh, to, to their traffic? So you're looking at uh, SSL and, and TLS traffic and what used to be considered a secure channel is now a threat vector. And so the adversaries have figured that out. They can now masquerade in those encrypted channels and go uh, largely undetected. Some of that happened in the OPM breach. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why it took so long to discover the breach. So that's a, a big area of emphasis that we're seeing uh, from different agencies, uh, both in DOD and on the civilian side. And that brings us actually is a great segue to the cloud discussion too. You talk about a lot of agencies are looking at how to secure within the cloud. And it's not the clouds themselves are worried about, or is it the data that passes in between? Meaning if I'm sending an email to Dennis and I have to go out of my cloud into your cloud, what, what, what part of the cloud are we looking at security? Because we already have FedRAMP, so we know those clouds are secure, or they should be. So what are we talking about, the, the, the traffic? So you make a, a great distinction there, Jason, because it's a shared responsibility model. The cloud service providers, the Amazon Web Services, the, the Googles, the Microsoft, they're responsible for security of the cloud, but the security of the data and the applications in the cloud remains the responsibility of the federal agency. So the chief information officer and the chief information security officer and the head of the, the departments and agencies remain responsible for the data. So they have to be able to see the data even if it's in the cloud and make sure they're protecting it. If you can't see it, you can't secure it. So they need pervasive visibility on the physical network, the virtual space, and out into the cloud as well, because they're responsible. And that's where also where this encryption piece comes in as well, because more and more people are sending the encrypted packets. So again, the term you use, I think, see it and break it, or break it and see it, find it and break it. Break, break it and inspect. <laughs> I, I ruined it, didn't I, for yeah. you there for a second. Are there tools out there currently that come under CDM that let you do both the security of the data and the systems within the cloud, but also the break and inspect piece? There, there are, and Gigamind happens to be uh, one of them. And we talked about the Office of Personnel Management a minute ago. So one of the things that they acquired in their gap fill uh, purchase uh, through CDM recently was the ability to inspect inline traffic that's encrypted. And that's what we talk about when we talk about break and inspect. So it's well recognized now with 70, 80% of the traffic being encrypted, you've got to be able to break it, decrypt it, inspect it, re-encrypt it, and then send it on down the network line. And that has to be done automatically, I mean, quickly, because otherwise it's like, well, I sent you that email and then six days later you got it. I mean, we, we have some expectations of, of agility and speed. Absolutely, and that's been one of the challenges in the past because if you ask cybersecurity tools to do that individually, what it does is it takes a, a tremendous amount of their compute cycle, so there's a big performance hit, sometimes as much as 50 to 80% reduced efficiency. So if you can have a next generation packet broker do it once for multiple tools, it's a tremendous productivity gain. We have this expectation, again, of speed. So if you put it in a security tool that slows things down, people get very frustrated. And once again, security gets that bad rap of, oh, well, once again, security ruins everything. And so I think it's important that that message gets out, as you guys are we're talking about today, that we can't fix this. Now, one of the things also about CDM is there's uh, trade-offs need to be made. You talk about gap fills, those decisions are, were made earlier on by agencies in phase one and phase two. I asked you a little bit about gap fills, but talk maybe broader about how those trade-offs should be made. What, what, are, what are some things agencies should consider? 
You always want to get the greatest return financially for every dollar you invest. If you're a federal government, you know, be a good steward of the taxpayer's money. But you also want to get the maximum return on readiness and cybersecurity improve improve cybersecurity posture for every dollar you invest. So what that leads you to is finding those force multiplying technologies that you would acquire through the CDM uh, program. A great example, again, is a uh, next generation network packet broker because it helps all your cybersecurity tools and your network and application performance tools work at peak performance. You might have a dozen, 20, maybe even 30 tools in your network to help you see, secure, and manage the data going across that network. If you can all, if you get all of them to improve just by 20 or 30%, that's a tremendous return. In some cases, next generation network packet brokers can get a five times productivity improvement. That's why Forrester Research recently came out with a study and showed that next generation packet brokers can pay for themselves in just seven months and reduce cybersecurity uh, costs uh, by 50%. So you can get better security and better use of your dollar at the same time. And that's what CIOs and CISOs are looking for. That's impressive. Five times productivity improvement, but, uh, but, but paid itself back in seven months, reduced by 50%. Sounds like an, it's an easy sell for you guys, for a lot of the clients. Where agencies understanding this piece of, of filling those gaps and, and, and even next generation packet broker? You know, agencies have a, have a lot to deal with. <laughs> and every week there's a new cybersecurity tool uh, on the market. So it's a little bit of a blizzard of information out there. So you, you have to you know, work hard to help them uh, understand the value. But every CIO and CISO really is you know, looking for the maximum return on that dollar that they've invested because they have a limited budget. So there's a good story there. And uh, you know, I'm proud to say that Gigamon was the first product added to the CDM program. And that's because we do have that for, force multiplier effect. When we talk about CDM more broadly, they're, they're entering, well, they don't call it phase three anymore, but they call it the next, I guess, uh, it was a notes on your network, know who's on your network, and then they started expanding from there. What are some of the, the trends you're starting to see from CDM in terms of either agency implementation or, or the requests that you guys see under, under the defend task orders or as agencies come to the, the SINs, the special M numbers under the schedule piece, what are they asking for? Are there other trends that are standing out? In addition to the, the ability to do the break and inspect that we've already talked about, Ability to see into the cloud uh, is, is important as well. And of course, agencies, because of the you know, challenges they face, the threat from the bad actors, always want it to go faster. And uh, I think the CDM program office is doing a good job on turning th things around more quickly and also being more responsive to the agency needs. A lot of these requests for services are agency initiated because you know, the agencies are on the front line. They know their requirements best. And I think the systems integrators and the CDM program office under Kevin Cox have done a good job at being responsive to the agencies in that regard. I think the one big change in CDM, not just the acquisition perspective, but they really are trying to listen more to the agencies. And I think, I think that's important because initially this idea of one size fits all almost or, or one size fits many it was a hard road for a lot of agencies to go down because in the end, even though they grouped them together, group A and B and C and D, they weren't always all the same. And I, I think they've shifted and I think they deserve a lot of credit, as you said. As we talk about CDM and going forward, are there big challenges that you as a vendor face over maybe what agencies? We've talked a lot about what agencies face. One of the things that we pride ourselves in, in industry and Gigamon in particular is being innovators. So we're always you know, listening to our customers and offering solutions that they need. 
So getting new technologies introduced to CDM uh, faster is something agencies want. And as industry partners, we're, we're anxious to present uh, as well. I think the other challenge going forward is for the program office is that you know, the adversary never sleeps. I mean, the Verizon breach report just came out uh, this week showing 168% more breaches uh, in government than there were last year. Uh, a lot of them haven't made the headlines, as you said earlier, but, it, but it's happening. So with that, more funding's required because the adversary is well-funded, highly motivated, and nimble. And they work at cyber-relevant speed. Our government doesn't always work that way. It's not designed to work quickly. But if you consider us to be on something of a war footing in cybersecurity, we probably need to change the way uh, our government responds to that, both in terms of resources available and the speed with which we react to the threat. It's interesting. You brought up funding twice. Now, I remember years ago, uh, you probably remember Karen Evans, who now sure. is over at the Energy Department, but when she was at OMB, she would say, and then that cyber's funding back then was only about, I think it was $6 billion a year in the civilian world, at the very least. And she said, there's plenty of funding. You just have to reallocate it. Do you get a sense that agencies are so tied up in, in protecting legacy systems, and this maybe takes us down a path of IT modernization a little bit, but that they really can't peel off money to protect against new threats or against new, you know, to, to get off that technical debt side of, of the discussion. Right. So there's been quite a few reports saying 80% of the standard agency IT budget goes to maintaining legacy systems. So as agencies are going through digital transformation and looking to modernize their infrastructure, there's not a lot of money left over. But that's where I think a program like CDM becomes even more critical because that was Congress's way of giving a, a booster shot uh, to cybersecurity. I just think we need a stronger booster shot because the adversary just keeps investing more and more in terms of machine learning, round-the-clock operations, and it's just very challenging for us to keep up. We can't hire enough good people and retain them in government. We have to keep working on that, but we really need to use force-multiplying technologies to help us get ahead, you know, or catch up, get ahead, and stay ahead. You brought up the uh, work that the administration is doing around cybersecurity and workforce. There's a reskilling academy. There's a new executive order as well that just recently came out around workforce. So they're trying to do some, some changes. But as you said, it's going to be a while until that kind of that catches up. In the meantime, I think a lot of agencies are looking at AI and machine learning and even at automation as, as the key here. So I think there's an opportunity, which is good. There is. And, and underlying all this is that you need to be able to know who's on your network, know what's happening on your network, and be able to see how the data is transversing the network. If you can't see the data, you don't know what's going on. So you have to have that pervasive visibility in the physical network and the virtual environment and into the cloud so that you can see, defend, and manage your network. You want it to be secure and operate at a high level so that your customers are satisfied with the performance they're getting out of their applications. It's that balance, absolutely. Uh, Dennis, let's take a quick break and come back. We can jump into uh, some other topics that are hot in the cybersecurity world. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Your network is an intricate ecosystem of technology, processes, and people critical to your agency's mission. Optimize your infrastructure and CDM defense solution performance with an element that binds everything together. That essential element is Gigamon. Gigamon solutions integrate with and visualize traffic across your physical, virtual, and cloud networks to deliver insights and intelligence that can reduce risk, complexity, and cost to your business. Gigamon, the essential element of your infrastructure. To learn more, visit gigamon.com. 
Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Dennis Riley, the Vice President of Federal at Gigamon. Now, Dennis, we were talking a lot about CDM in that first segment, and I want to kind of continue down that path, but, but in a broader way. I cannot go to a conference these days without hearing two things. One is 5G, which we're not going to talk about today, and I'm glad. The other one we're talking that I hear a lot about is zero trust networking. And I think that does play actually a big role because CDM, from what I've heard, is a big piece of the zero trust framework. Because zero trust, as you know, is not a technology, it's not a new initiative, but it's a framework. So maybe connect the dots for me, CDM and zero trust, how they fit together. With zero trust, uh, the, obviously you want to verify uh, everything uh, on your network. There's a strong emphasis on uh, ID and credential management and uh, micro-segmentation so that if there is a breach, you can contain it uh, quickly. But you know, underlying all of that, you still have to have visibility into your, your data, whether it's data at rest or data uh, in motion. So assuming that there will eventually uh, be a breach and assuming a borderless uh, network where there's going to be more and more connected devices, whether it's IoT or handhelds, you need to be able to see what's happening uh, on the network so you can get a quick indicator of a compromise. You can quickly uh, respond, you know, contain uh, and, and recover. And, and I think that's a, that's a key point is see what's on your network and quickly move and, and fix it. And I think one of the things that agencies have maybe struggled with over the years is the, that inability to quickly move and recover from it. They've, oh, we have a problem. Okay, well, what's the problem? Where's the problem? But why is that part of zero trust though? Because part of zero trust to me has always been, we used to call it roles and responsibilities, backend right. attribute exchange, whatever. Right, You're right. So you, you wanna give you know, limited access, so the least amount of access uh, to a person based on their credentials. But again, you have to assume even with that, and in, in the, you know, the famous OPM breach, credentials were stolen. Right. Right, so even uh, with that, you're gonna have uh, incidents and you're gonna have breaches. So you need to be able to uh, set up these micro-segmentations so that uh, if there is a breach, it can't propagate laterally. But if the adversary figures out a way to propagate laterally, you wanna be able to see that so you can detect, uh, respond, and recover. And that's where visibility of that traffic in motion uh, through a next generation packet broker becomes critical. And that was actually the first time the OPM breached when I kind of learned really what it meant to be, you know, network hopping. They got they get in through a network that nobody really cares about, but then there's a there's a way to hop to the more sensitive data or that. And if you had micro segmentation, it would say that you know Dennis Riley has access to this network, but not to that one. So therefore, we're stopping you. Right. Where yeah. go ahead. Yes, yeah, so you'd have uh, barriers uh, set up so that even if there were a breach, it would be it would be contained. We hear a lot about zero networking. CDM fits in because, of course, identify what's on your network, who's on your network, and how the data is moving. Uh, that's one piece to the zero networking. Are there other pieces that you guys are, are starting to see agencies talk to or at least interested in to, to create that zero trust framework? Well, um, you know, phase two was identity management, so that's uh, well underway. And now with Defend, uh, there's more emphasis on uh, cloud and the proliferation of additional uh, devices, which you know increases the attack surface through uh, IoT, uh, mobile and handheld devices. So you'll still want to have that strong credential management and still want to have the visibility, assuming that there's there's going to be a breach. Yeah, and we all can assume there will be one eventually. Right. 
let's move off of CDM and, and move off of zero trust and, and maybe step back and look at the broader perspective. There's always a ton going on in, when it comes to cybersecurity. In the DOD world, in the Defense Department intelligence community world, there's an interesting move. There was a Navy report that came out recently about the state of cybersecurity there. And, and I had a great conversation around supply chain. And, and basically the Navy said under that, we, we can't assure anything on our supply chain right now. We need to do a better job. But there's even more to that. Give me the sense of, you know, we, we focus on civilian agencies. What about the Defense Department world? They seem to always get a better credit for dealing with cybersecurity, but they're under a lot more pressure than maybe some of the civilian agencies. They are. So our nation state adversaries certainly have targeted with a lot of success in the past our DOD networks. And you mentioned the Secretary of the Navy uh, Readiness Review that came out earlier this year. They were very frank about since 2015, one estimate had $1.5 trillion in economic theft uh, and espionage. And many think that that's very understated. In fact, Secretary of the Navy went on to say that the amount of uh, military readiness that nation states like the Chinese have gained through those tactics is immeasurable. So that's very disconcerting. Fortunately, with U.S. Uh, Cybercom and other initiatives uh, by the services, we're starting to see more focus on defensive cyber operations and cyber protection teams. It was interesting to hear earlier this year, and it's quoted in that Secretary of the Navy report, the uh, Commandant of the Marine Corps uh, say, Have we, are we in a cyber war? And he said, yeah, I think we've been in one for about a decade. What he did not say, but what was implied was, for a long time, we weren't fighting it. Only the bad guys were fighting that cyber war. So now I think uh, there's reports where we're taking more offensive uh, uh, operations, but the emphasis is on defensive cyber operations. And a lot of the same principles with CDM uh, apply uh, to, uh, to DOD. Know what's happening on your network, see the network traffic no matter where it is so that you can properly defend it. I think one of the comments you just made is really stark. You, you mentioned one of the most frank readiness reviews by a service about their state of cybersecurity. I, I want to go back to, oh, wow, I want to say 2006, 2005, when the first time DoD talked about uh, one of the hacking operations, Titan Rain, I think, if I remember correctly. And we were all taken aback by that discussion. I think almost this readiness review almost rises to that because that was the first time that they've been that frank. Did that surprise you about how that readiness review when you read through it? I thought it was very candid. I was surprised, but I thought it was appropriate because we need a wake-up call, I think. And we'd rather have a written report be the wake-up call than something more serious. If, if OPM just wasn't enough, by the way, right, as a wake-up call, or so many other breaches, but yeah, I think sometimes you need it. But I think it's a wake-up call to the public, to the Congress, and to the administration to more robustly fund these programs and spend those dollars wisely on the force-multiplying technologies that we're talking about today. When you talk about defensive operations, and, and I think you know, breaking inspect is one example of that, are you seeing DOD again similar path to CDM? I know they don't use CDM because it's for civilian agencies. Or are they doing something you know different that the the civilian agencies maybe will catch up with in, in another year or two? A lot of times I like to make the if it starts in DOD, the civilian agencies catch up a little bit later. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, both DOD and civilian are doing similar things in, in slightly different ways. You have uh, civilian agencies doing things through their individual budgets and initiatives. They get that booster shot. Uh, through uh, CDM, uh, through DHS. On the DOD side, uh, the National Security Agency and U.S. Cybercom uh, take some initiatives, but the individual services are, are acting as well. A good example of that 
is the individual uh, services setting up their own cyber um, defense operations and also cyber protection teams. These are teams that can deploy, uh, you know, through either to do either readiness reviews or in response to an incident to help out commands who may not have quite as much capability to make sure that the networks are secure or if there's been a breach to, you know, isolate it and, and, and remediate. DHS is asking for a fair amount of money in 2020 budget, plus the, I think they've asked for it before, to do more red teaming and blue teaming and to do more architecture reviews. Are you seeing very similar in DOD, meaning that they've, they've started to do, uh, there's a program called DOD CAR, Cyber Architecture Review. Yes. There's a Gov CAR that developed from it. Uh, that's what I mean. Sometimes things start in DOD and move to the civilian. Is DOD, they already have, they've set up these cyber teams, these defensive teams, and to respond to incidents and readiness, but are they looking to do more of those? So they, so they have you know, red teams and blue teams, red teams mimicking uh, the adversary. And they also have inspection teams, uh, you know, cyber uh, review uh, teams that will go out to do inspections so that we can find it before uh, the adversary does. And then they've got uh, what I'll call rapid response teams. DHS uh, has that uh, as well, uh, where if there is an incident and uh, a subordinate command maybe doesn't have quite the resources uh, to handle it, they can get help you know, from higher uh, authority. U.S. Iowa Command, US, or, or uh, NSA, maybe they, yes, they're jumping. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think you see a lot of that sharing starting to happen in the, that interagency, meaning across the duty, the Army is helping the Air Force and, and, and vice versa. Uh, the other piece of this that I think we should bring up when it comes to duty is that duty is obviously making a very strong move to the cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, you're seeing multiple different programs, whether it's the four-letter word called, you know, we don't want to mention Jedi, that gets yes. a lot of uh, attention, or the DOS project, or even uh, the Air Force and the Army both going down the path of uh, enterprise IT as a service. How does the cybersecurity piece fit into all those? Because again, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier about the shared responsibility. Yeah, so there's shared responsibility where the agency is still responsible for the data and the applications in the cloud. One thing that isn't said very often, but it shows up periodically in surveys, is one of the reasons why there hasn't been a greater shift uh, to applications to the cloud, because cloud first came out now about seven years ago, eight years yeah. ago. Um, and recent GAO survey was a sample of agencies showed that only about 11% had shifted to the cloud. Agencies have been a little bit reluctant because they're not that confident in the security of their data in the cloud. A big reason is they can't see it. They feel better and actually have better visibility into their data at rest and data in motion when it's on-premise. But once it goes out to the cloud, they lack that. But there are now technologies coming onto the marketplace, and Gigamon has one. Uh, to allow those agencies to see their data in the cloud so that they can see it, secure it, and manage it, which is, which is key. So I think that will help them feel more comfortable shifting greater workloads to the cloud. I think that's a key point. If, if you can know, if you can hug your data, if you will, maybe not, you know, perfectly, maybe not literally, but at least figuratively, I think you get a little more comfortability with it. Uh, Dennis, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're just about out of time. Where is cybersecurity heading? And what are some of those technologies? What are some of those trends that you're starting to see emerge in the, in the public sector or the federal sector? Or even maybe you see it from some of your commercial counterparts that you think will bleed into the government? Yeah, sure. So there's been a lot of talk, of course, about machine learning and AI. So I think we'll, we'll see more and more of that. Uh, but the, the biggest trend is that private sector, as well as government, needs to modernize. They need to have digital transformation to provide better services to the citizens. So they've got to do that at a high level, but they also have to do it securely. Uh, but there's only limited budget to go around. So you'll want to invest in things like next generation packet brokers, be able to see your encrypted data so that you can see what's happening and secure it and do it so that performance is not affected because you want to have a high performance 
and a secure service to your citizens and other customers of government. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Let me thank my guest, Dennis Riley, the Vice President of Federal at Gigamon. Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time. Jason, it was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. I've been your host, Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.